Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, and today is my great pleasure to have Dasha Vadira, a candidate for Governor's Council. Yes. Welcome, Dasha, to the studio. Thank you, Frank. Dasha, the Governor's Council is interesting. The Queen Elizabeth has just been buried. The Governor's Council goes back before the revolutionary time. Maybe you remember what, what, when it was started. Sure. It looks like it was Massachusetts Bay Colony, um, and I'm pretty sure that the date was March 18th, 1629. Um, and the intent behind the council was to um, appoint judges, or really the judges were offering a value um, with lawmaking as well, too, but they were the magistrates to kind of um, contain, I would say, the um, I would say the the morale of the colony at that time. So it looks like they were elected, but only by the free people of the colony. Um, and then it's kind of grown from there, which has been wonderful to, I guess, go back into history and kind of understand what has happened. So there was a couple of changes that were made where there was no more council making the laws. Um, they, I think that might have been in, if I can recall, it might be the late 1600s, I think, is when they took that right away, where it was just the magistrates then, um, I guess, kind of figuring out for the judges component, and they were no longer allowed to make the law and or be involved in the actual um, trials. And they were also kind of an advisory to the governor. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So the, go the governor would run ideas by them, or they would run objections to what the governor was doing by correct. him. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> but it looks like it was consistently always eight seats. Oh, always eight seats. Yeah. The, the consistency is five uh, state senate districts, as I recall. In other yes. words, you represent, uh, uh, there are five state senators, and those districts you would represent. Correct. So I think for this particular district, which is District 2, I think there's five counties. So there's 37 towns and cities for this particular position. And we're in Norfolk County. Correct. In Massachusetts, counties don't have the significance that they do in, in southern or western states. No, no, not at all. Actually, there's a couple of counties where their towns are not in my district. They might be in a different district. So it's right. very confusing. Um, but I do think that if you can understand, especially, too, because it was just redistricted, all the positions were just redistricted last fall. So I think it's definitely requiring people to be aware of what their district covers, and certain positions cover certain districts. So right now, I know that we're District 10, um, let's say for state rep. But with that said, we're District 2 for Governor's Council, and very few people know what Governor's Council is. So it's a very large district that requires a lot of education. So tell us currently what the responsibility of the Governor's Council today is. So they're responsible for appointing the judges or approving um, and moving forward. So if the governor has a suggestion on who he thinks might be, as a, I say he because he's the current governor, but you know they think that this person might be feasible, um, they go before the council and the council has the final verdict on approving this particular judge. They also approve the magistrates um, and they also take care of the justice of the peace, I would say. Um, but majority of their focus is always going on the judges and who they're appointing. But it also is beyond that. In other words, they also approve or appoint the head of uh, like workman's compensation Very true. people. They Very are, true. They uh, approve a number of different agencies that you would not consider judicial. Very true. Yeah. 
Do you remember what some of the other ones are? I, Not off I, the top of my head, because no. you know one of the things that I've had to get really good at articulating is since there is a lack of knowledge on the governor's council, it's requiring the basics. Um, so one of the smartest things for me to do is to associate the governor's council to appointing the judges in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah. It's kind of giving more people affirmation on why they should probably pay attention to the governor's council, because it sounds important. Um, and if no one even knows about it, well, then we have to go back to the basics of just simple education. Um, and it, it is the governor that nominates the candidates. Correct. The lieutenant governor of uh, is the actual chair. Correct. Of the uh, council. Yes. And uh, an interesting thing happened recently that there happened to be a tie vote on a nomination. And so the chair left her seat and became part of the council. Correct. And the governor came in and chaired the meeting. And, and so the uh, lieutenant governor's vote then uh, made the decision to approve That's correct. Uh, the, the, the person in question. They hold the ninth seat, essentially, right. to they break hold those the, ties. They hold the tie-breaking uh, yes. seat. Um, a lot of the governor's councils seems traditionally to have been uh, lawyers, but you have a different perspective. I do. Um, you know, I think there was this one lawyer that I was talking to when I first was, you know, trying to get the word out there that I was running for governor's council, and she was a lawyer when I said, you know, I'm going to try to run on a platform of more so we the people, because I do believe that if our job is to appoint the judges in the state of Massachusetts, there should be some level of diversity as the judge is going to hold true to a verdict for we the people. So when I had shared that with her, you know, she was really upset because I think there is this status quo image that in order to hold a seat on the council, you must be a lawyer. Well, she had said, you know, if you have any issues with any laws or anything like that, well, take them up with their your state representatives or your legislation. I go, well, you know, this is where it gets challenging is that I'm starting to realize that a lot of people that hold a position in government are lawyers. And if every single division of government is held up of lawyers, we're kind of removing the we the people voice. So I'm hoping to bring a new energy um, that kind of my background is in psychology. My undergrad and graduate degree is in psych. And for me, I mean, my background was in human resource management. So what I did for a living was I assessed resumes to make sure that they were efficient and equipped for the role that they were going to go into the position for to carry out for the morale of the company. And ironically, you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something very similar in choosing to run for governor's council as my job is to make sure that the nomination of this judge is equipped to bring the morale of our state to where it needs to be, where we're honoring we the people and we're really just offering, um, I, I would say, a more diverse perspective instead of it just being through one lens. Yeah, the, the perspective that you're offering is not necessary a legal perspective, but a perspective of other issues. Correct. The, the, the perspective of looking at the, the position the judge will hold and bringing psychological or human resource yes. or uh, under, uh, underserved uh, individuals or different uh, ways of looking at what a judge has to do. Yes. So that's, that has got to be helpful in, in screening the best judge. 
I think so, and I think right now, I mean, we're definitely dealing with some real mental health crises that are coming forward, and I do think it's going to require a very sound and just judge to take on the next obstacles. Um, to be a judge in the state of Massachusetts, I mean, you're locked in until age 70. So if we're kind of thinking about what our future is going to look like in the state of Massachusetts and we have the mental health on the rise, I do think that this is a really good opportunity for possibly a seat to be overturned and, you know, more in the we the people, but through the lens of psychological understandings and making sure, too, that the assessment of this judge will be carried out for the best interest of the people in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, this is one of the reasons that I, I think when you get away from the judicial judge and you look at the other people that they're approving and appointing to to different uh, positions, that is almost essential that you look at the position uh, that they're, they're going to be holding. Is the judge in family court? Uh, is a judge in workman's compensation. Yes. You're dealing with human issues. So from a psychological uh, point of view, what will you be bringing in screening these applications? I think one of the best things that is probably one of my biggest assets is I'm a really good listener. And the more that I've moved in my life and kind of na navigated people and communities, listening has really offered me tremendous value to understand that everybody has different life experiences. And I think if you can become a really good listener and you can really offer and provide um, you know, sympathy and compassion, but meet people kind of where they are and see what kind of results they may need. Um, but right at that point in their life of what they're capable of doing, you can find good solutions. So I do believe that if I am awarded and elected into this position, the psychological background of just simple listening is going to really offer a lot of value to just typical civilians trying to, you know, run in their life and, and, and get through each day, because I do think that COVID has offered just a harder stamp on people on a day-to-day -day basis, and life is really challenging right now. So if we can offer somebody on the council that's willing to listen to, you know, the everyday highs and lows of traditional people that are in their everyday lifestyle, I do think that th they might offer a little bit more hope um, that, you know, this is possible. You know, I'm just never in a million years that I ever think I'd get involved in politics. But I do think that by me choosing to get more involved in politics is also giving that we the people and that understanding of civilians having an opportunity and a chance to get involved. And it really started with just listening. Well, like any application that you've probably reviewed, the application always highlights the best of a person. Yes. Or highlights, highlights some of their accomplishments. But how would you go further than just looking at an application to see who this person is? Well, I think I'm, un I'm unsure if you're able to do any references, <laughs> but I do think that when you kind of have an idea of what this person's personal life is on some level and what kind of value they've offered to their community and the longevity behind that, you can kind of have a really good sense of what type of character this person may be. I do think that it's important to honor the Constitution on some levels, especially even the Massachusetts Constitution, that I do think that there's 
possibly some check boxes that would need to get checked off to help honor the appropriate judge. Um, and it's more than just their credentials. This is really, if we go back to that we the people and understanding that we're living in a very vulnerable time with an array of mental health that's just continuing to increase, we really need to understand the person on some level and kind of merge the personal component match with the professional component to be able to really stabilize our state and move it to the right direction of and, and, and my hopes and gains will always be respect and kindness and really community development where we're really striving to work together even though we're all dramatically different. It's a good thing, but it's, it requires working together. How will you evaluate experience in the field versus kind of the background of who the individual is and what talents he has? In other words, if a judge comes before you for nomination, say, to family court, mm -hmm. uh, which involves really a lot of human interaction and a lot of decisions uh, about what to do w with families, are you going to look for someone necessarily that has had experience in family issues and in, in legal experience in the court? Or will you tend to more look at people that have uh, worked in human uh, services and maybe had social uh, service uh, experience with uh, families, uh, but not, not necessarily that heavily in a legal sense? You know, I think um, if we stay focused on what the goal would be of Massachusetts, and I think the goal is for us to work together and get back into that community development concept. With that said, our world is pretty shaky right now. So I don't think it's a matter of just what's on a resume and what they maybe might be used to. I think it needs to go further than that, where it does matter and kind of have a collaboration of um, what community development they've done or what they may have gotten involved on a more community basis to understand how times have maybe changed where, you know, the family, if we want to talk about just families, the family morales overall have changed dramatically where most family lives are very unstable. And that's, that's a dis, dis, disheartening um, reality and truth that I do think that the judge themselves would need to be aware that families have been broken for a very, very, very long time. And we've been very much so relying on government services to fix that problem. And I do think that it would require a judge to make an honest and just assessment of a, a child and a family situation to understand the importance of a family and also know that if our goal is to create strong, um, important children to carry through and, and live on in the legacy of, of freedom and what Massachusetts stands for and kindness and you know one day take care of someone like even myself. Well, to do that, I think we need to go back to the basics of understanding the foundation of a family and why it's important. That I do think that for a judge to really capitalize in today's world, they, there would need to be some kind of personal experience or um, perso personal drive that encourages them to look beyond, I guess, just the stuff on paper. You know, what what's really getting a family divided? Um, what kind of better services can we provide so that way families can be supported? I do think that there's a lot of opportunity there. I do think for us to have successful judges, though, they would need to have that level of understanding or listening so then that way they can make the appropriate assessment as we try to navigate um, the next couple of years ahead. You yourself are, come from a very diverse 
cultural yes. and family and ethnic background as well as your husband. How important is it going to be to have uh, that type of background diversity uh, uh, within the uh, appointment of judges? I think it matters. I mean, for me personally, I'm the first one that out of my family that's gone to college. I mean, that's a huge victory and milestone, and it never stopped just there. I ended up going and getting my graduate degree, and I am very proud of myself. And I think my family, if anything, is very proud because both, you know, my dad's first generation here, and my mom, for a good chunk of her life, was literally living out of a car with a missing dad. And, you know, I've seen the dramatic impacts of what they've had through my own childhood to affirm the importance of, you know, a family family life and trying to work together even in some of the most bumpiest roads ahead. And I stand here or sit here very proudly today saying, you know, because of the upbringing that I had and the hard work my parents have put in, I've had the opportunity and liberty of going to school and obtaining a graduate degree. And that's something to be very proud of. So when I think of my background, I, I come organically from a diverse and parents that had really hard stories that had to get out of their situation to raise a family that they saw fit that could, could, could survive. And I definitely think in many ways, I kind of still hold this um, American dream and, and bringing it to fruition in a time where, you know, maybe very few kind of live out the American dream, but I'm I'm personally am living that, that I think because of my diverse background and what my parents have gone through and what I have gone through, it has allowed me to listen better, to understand that diversity is a good thing to have on, on many different levels. And even just bringing back to my education experience and the status quo that the governor's council should only be made up of lawyers, I mean, even right there is a, a window into what diversity might look like, that you know, diversity, I think, can get broken up into many different characteristics besides just one's ethnic backgrounds, where if we're being true to what the state needs, then we have to have the conversation on some levels of diversity. During the coronavirus, the Governor's Council has been televised. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure how you get it in Franklin, but, <laughs> but over some channel or somewhere, it, it has been uh, recorded and televised live. Yes. Uh, would you continue that practice if that issue ever came up? Would you uh, continue the practice of it being uh, able to be televised? I, I think it's actually really important. Um, you know, again, nobody knew, or the more people I communicate with, the hard reality is very few people even know what the governor's council is. And technically, anyone had the right to go in to the governor's council meetings, but you had to go in person. So the greatest gift that could have happened, I think, with COVID is that it opened the doorway for people to get involved of what governor's council is by providing a platform online. And now, are they long? They're long. They're very long meetings. You know, do most people probably want to sit through that? Probably not. Um, but with that said, if it is provided online, and thankfully they do have a YouTube channel, so you can find it on there, so you can find some back ones. I think the first one they put out might have been in March of 2020, or May. I think it was May of 2020. Um, but it will give you good insight and a taste of what Governor's Council is. And even if you had to listen to 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there, I think it just makes it more convenient for people, especially if they're in the car and they have something that they can listen 
listen to, um, you know, podcasts on the rise, definitely multitasking in many levels is on the rise. And I think the more platforms that you can provide it and just give people an opportunity to kind of listen in, well, then it, the opportunity falls back on the person to, to do their job instead of complaining about government. Um, you know, if we can provide the resources to the people, then it relies on the people to do their job and their homework to follow suit in certain areas within government and get informed. The Governor's Council uh, is kind of unique here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. The U.S. Senate approves judicial appointments, and I'm sure many other states, probably the Senate or the upper chamber in those states approve uh, judgeships. Uh, what is your opinion? Do you, do you think we should continue having uh, the Governor's Council, or should we uh, have the Senate of uh, Massachusetts approved judgeships? So I think to start, the smartest thing to do is to get used to what is here. Um, and I think the more that I get used to what is here, as in, you know, the Massachusetts um, Governor's Council currently is looking at judges. Let's just keep it there. Repeating that terminology to people is really important because what I'm coming to realize is that the average person doesn't even know what the governor's council is or does. Um, and then to think that there's the history component that goes beyond, beyond, beyond my lifetime. It really affirms that this has been here for quite some time and no one has the awareness to say, hey, what is this What is this, and what is happening? So I do think that to really answer that question, it's gonna require us to kind of stay where we are and get people more involved of what Governor's Council does in the state of Massachusetts to get some level of familiarity behind it and some levels of education to really then assess, is this the smart move or do, should we consider something else? As of right now, it sounds like this is the smart move um, because we just need to bring education and awareness around the Governor's Council in the state of Massachusetts. I just thought of a, another judgeship that they appoint, uh, which I've had personal experience with, which is the State Board of Appellate Real Estate Tax uh, Abatement. Uh, in other words, if you don't like Franklin's abatement of your real estate tax, you can appeal it to the state. That person that hears the case is appointed is nominated by the governor and approved by the governor's council. So there are types of that type of uh, uh, judgeships that you wouldn't necessarily call them judgeships. Yes. Uh, that that happen, that really directly affect when you bring something before them. Yes. Uh, on a personal basis. Yes. So you need to look at uh, uh, a person uh, that necessarily is not absolutely legal in every uh, nick and point and, and nick picking legal things as much as maybe looking at what the broader issues that are trying to be presented. It is, and I, you know, I think everything goes back. So like the previous job that I had worked and I was working in um, corporate America was at a change management firm. And the job of a change management firm is to look at this is where we are, this is where we'd like to go, and this is the process to get there. So if we're all looking at the process um, and ideally honing in on the process, we have to look at where we would like to go as a state. And if we can really stay focused and true to where we'd like to be as a state, the process 
is going to get a little bit easier because it's going to get us some good clues and um, just paying attention to certain levels of detail of what you know something as simple as appointing a judge can do to an impact within a community and within a town that everything has a ripple effect so if we really want to focus on the goal of where we would like Massachusetts to be and kind of pull it back on some layers, it will actually give us a better insight, I think, on a community level of what certain areas within the state are really requiring and, you know, what's the process to make sure that that area is getting success. And then again, the a tremendous goal is the long-term effects of, okay, well, where do we want our state to be? So it requires a, a, a solid team. This is a solid team and it requires people willing to come out and pay attention to the governor's council and pay attention to the people that they want to support to get in to these roles and these seats within office because there's no way that anyone can do this alone. Dasher Videra. Yes. What is the question that I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk to the people uh, about? Sure. Um, how people can get in touch with me. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my website is votefordasha.com, and you can find all of my contact information on there. You can learn a little bit about my background and why I'm choosing to run for governor's council. And as of right now, I am on Facebook and on Instagram um, on a page called Vote for Dasha. On Facebook, it's um, Dasha for Governor's Council. So feel free to explore and ask me any question you may have. <laughs> and we would like to remind you that uh, there are certain uh, dates that you need to register to vote by, and there are uh, uh, early ballot yes. voting, uh, but you have to request a ballot. Yes. Uh, it, it, even, uh, and one of the great things that you have received in your home is a pamphlet from the Secretary of State that outlines three ballot questions and outlines the whole process of voting and uh, probably basically answers, uh, you, you want to read through it, you want to yes, look through it. absolutely. It, it really is uh, uh, critical. I had a chance to actually look through it and I think, um, I know that they were doing the petitioning to be able to get the, um, there was illegals potentially with driver's license. Um, so then this way they were trying to get a certain amount of signatures in order to put that on the ballot. So when I looked through the pamphlet, I'm, I, last I knew is they did get enough signatures to get that and petition onto the ballot, but when I did receive my form, that question might have been off. So I'm unsure if there's a fourth question, but there might be a, a um, potential fourth question as well. Uh I am also unsure of that because yeah. there were three questions. Yep. The three ballot questions are, one, should we uh, increase the taxes on those individuals that have more than a million dollars of gross uh, income? The second question is on dentistry. Yes. And registering, yes. Yes. registering uh, dental plans so that 83% of their plan has to go to actually pay dental bills. Yes. So that leaves them 17% for profit and administration because they found that some plans are reversed. 17% yes. goes to pay dental and yes. 93% yes. goes to their pocket. <laughs> yes. And the third question on the ballot has to do with the number of liquor license and bar licenses. Correct. But the rest of the, the, the ballot talks about uh, college voting, early voting, yep. mail-in voting, very, very uh, informative. It is. Now, I need to make the assumption, and that is terrible 
to make an assumption That's okay. that the current law about driver's license and uh, is probably the current law for this election uh, because it hasn't been overturned. Right. So that means, interesting enough, that you can register through the state of Massachusetts uh, directly, and then the state kind of informs the town clerk of new registrations, and I believe it's pretty close to election day mm. that you're going to be able to do that. I will be having uh, Nancy, the town clerk, here oh, next week, and we will go over in much more detail uh, those election questions. Perfect. So thank you, Dasha uh, Madeira, yes. uh, coming. Uh, uh, great uh, campaigning, and uh, I'm sure people will be looking to see you uh, out, out and about and uh, meeting yes. uh, with the voters and groups. That would be wonderful. So this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, uh, thanking you for watching uh, this program, and there will be uh, a number more as uh, the election season approaches. Thank you. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.